Saludos desde Cancún. Chicas en, uh, uh, okay, we have been here too long. Today Girls on Film, yes, still in Cancún, kicks back with Miami family entertainment and sports lawyer Alan Fertel. Fertel has seen South Beach turn from blue-haired old ladies into one of the hippest scenes in the States, and he has grown right along with it. He started working in family law and has moved into the rapidly growing entertainment and sports scene in Miami, working with athletes, coaches, teams, and agents to entertainers, models, restaurants, and clubs. Get an inside look at the South Beach scene with one of South Florida's top lawyers when the girls sit poolside with Alan Fertel. This is Sarah Smith, and I am once again here at the North American Entertainment IP. What am I missing? Sports. Yes. And sports. that's Sports Sports Summit. 31st year, and I'm with a, an incredible attorney named Alan Fertel. Google him. He is on it. And when I, when I Googled you... I saw that you are out of Coral Gables, and I have family there in Coral Gables. It's a beautiful place. It's so beautiful, and the Biltmore Hotel is so beautiful. Nice golf course, too. Yeah, I don't play golf. I should learn, right? Nah, it's probably better that you don't. (laughs) A lot lot of time spent doing nothing. I was told to ask you, first of all, can you just tell me a little bit about what you do so our listeners can, can get a feel? Sure. Uh, first of all, Sarah, thank you for having me. It's, oh, I'm it's, so it's, happy. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I'm a lawyer, but really what I am is I'm a bagel baker's kid from the Bronx. Oh, my God. Um, my dad owned a bagel bakery. Wow. Uh, grew up in the Bronx um, with a brother, family. And um, I was always gregarious, fidgety. I guess I was just ADD before they diagnosed, you know. And uh, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, my grandfather oh, that's, owned that's the, very interesting. You know, I actually was put under a table at a bagel baker's union meeting. Oh, my God. And my grandpa used to take me and call me his counselor and tell these guys he couldn't answer any of their questions because he had to speak to his counselor. And I didn't realize that that was me. Ugh. And I became a lawyer and probably as are. a result. Yeah, no, no, really. It's, it's I, believe, I believe you. So um, I've, I've been a civil litigator my whole life because of my personality. Uh, about 20 years ago, I was fortunate enough to start representing models and modeling agency and, and radio stations in Miami when South Beach turned from Jewish and Cuban grandmothers to a very cool place to be. Gotcha. And I, I was very fortunate that I was on the bottom, uh, the, just the, the beginning of the, of, I, w- I would say, Miami on steroids. Um, uh, and That's exciting. And I, I started to do things that were fun and cool. I had played music in a band in college, and I had played football. What kind and, of, what and, instrument did you play? I played guitar. There you go. I'm raspy, so I sound like Springsteen. I could play a uh, lot, lot of Springsteen. Love and I, it. I've written some songs and... I was sort of weird because I was a... Kind of a talented guy. Well, I don't know about talented, but like renaissance-ish because I, I did sports and I and I, and I I did music. And, and that was a weird combination back then because if you remember when we were younger, there was a split between like the arties and, and the sporties. And now there's a convergence, a com- confluence 
but back then it was sort of separate. You know, the, the drama people sort of hung out with the drama people right. and the sports people hung out with the sports right. people. And I was sort of both, so I was always able to, to do both. And then, hybrid. And then I became a lawyer and I was a civil litigator and, and, and trying cases. And then all of a sudden Miami Beach blew up and, and, and Miami blew up and then sports started to hit up and I became a, a sports and entertainment lawyer as how, well as a how civil did, litigator. How did that really happen? Um, it was sort of organic. It's really weird because I've always been involved in, in, in sports and in music, but being in Miami, you couldn't make any kind of money on sports or entertainment because there really wasn't. There was one football team. Right. Um, the University of Miami hadn't even won a national championship yet. And there was, you know, there was a lot of old people. And, and that just changed to youth and fun and and sports teams came up and then all of a sudden a complete the, the, the cultural mar- shift 100 percent. yeah marlins heat hello panthers south beach so exciting add water puff hello. all of a sudden you've got an entertainment industry right and, right and, and i got in early uh started representing models like i said modeling agencies um recording uh, talent uh, and then i i got a radio station sports radio station and that just blew everything up oh that's so exciting and then the the, the big thing was that um do you want to say who they are it was, oh, it was wqam in miami wqam <laughs> miami 560 on your am dial love um, it but, love it but the thing that just happened was that i had a a partner who was really a visionary and he saw that I was doing nicely in sports and entertainment and he sent me to New York to a, an agency called the Towers Group which was our PR company and we sent out a press release on the Super Bowl because it's the craziest thing in the world and we sent out this press release and all of a sudden one of the guys from the Oakland Raiders uh, named Barrett Robbins went AWOL uh, I think it was 2002 2003 and we're going to look that up. No, it's, yeah, it, ha- no, it, it happened. It yeah, happened. Interesting. And it created a, a buzz. And right. all of a sudden people were talking about me and my press release. Oh, my God. Because it was about staying out of trouble at the Super Bowl. It was the 10 rules for agents and ballplayers who were either playing or attending the Super Bowl to stay out of trouble. And this guy just violated all of them. Right. Uh, went to Tijuana. Didn't uh, take his meds. He was manic depressive. Bipolar is what they call it now. Yeah. Uh, forgot his meds. Was drinking some mezcal and tequila. And they found him on a bathroom, uh, uh, bathroom floor, and he missed the Super Bowl. Oh my god! But the great thing was that the NFL read all these articles about me, and invited me to come to NFL Films and 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 Twenty Eight Park and be involved in the NFL's program to educate their their athletes on behavioral issues. So they made a they made a film. They made a film and, and I'm on it. You know, I don't know <laughs> and if I'm I, on it. I don't know if you know this about me, but my dad was the voice of the NFL for seventeen years. No, I had no idea about yep. that. That's that's yep. so cool. So there I am in NFL films in Flemington, New that's Jersey. A, I know or something it's a cool like place. The coolest. Yeah. And, and then I was at Park Avenue and then they invited me to the NFL draft, and I was able to be with eight NFL draft picks. In fact, sadly, one of the guys, Charlie Rogers, just passed away the other oh. day, 38 years old. Uh, he played for the Detroit Lions in Michigan State. He was one of the eight that I spent four days with. Um, sad, but but true. That was when Carson Palmer was the number one pick, and Ryan so Leftwich, were... Jimmy Kennedy, uh, Terrell Suggs, uh, Terrence Newman. It was, it was an interesting draft. draft. It was, it was so people have a picture of what the draft is like and of what, from, from movies and things like that. What what are you doing when you're representing eight, when you're the legal rep for eight 
you know, you're, you're football players. You're a really, really important babysitter. Um, okay. You, you know, we we took him for pizza. We took him to the radio, the radio interviews and the television stations. We tried to keep them as as together as possible as okay. a group. Um, but you know, there are eight kids that are going to be millionaires in a day, Ugh. and it's a little crazy. You know, they're all going to be millionaires, and it they're and is. they're just sitting on that and right. they're waiting for a number to come up and. It's just it, it, it's a good time, but it's a crazy time. It I got sounds to like a pressure cooker. It is, and, yeah. And you have to deal with their parents, and you have to right. deal with their agents, right. and you have to deal with their expectations. And Who, everyone's nervous. Who's the hardest to to deal with on that group? I would think the agents. I think the agents are professionally harder. I think the the parents have unreasonable expectations. Yeah. Um, if you remember and go backwards, the the little league parents, you know, the, these. I live in Miami, so everybody thinks that their kid's going to be Alex Rodriguez. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, they don't care if the kid goes to school. They don't care about anything but like little league baseball and, uh, and, and pony league baseball and travel right. team baseball. Go go go! Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. But, but the real thing is that you know I'm not, I'm not father of a really good swimmer, an all-American swimmer. Oh my and, God. And even though I represent swimmers and, and I know there's money, there's really not a lot of money in the sport for the general person. You know, even though she's great, she's all-American, but you got to take care of the foundations. You got to take care of the kid. You got to take care of schooling. You got to take care of attitude. You got to take care of, they're all entitlement you know, animals. So they, they all believe that they're entitled to something because they do something really well. I think that parents right now are just driving the crazy train as far as uh, I, I, the unreasonable expectations placed upon kids that are now millionaires. This is going to be um, popping out uh, online in about a week, but I wanted to ask you about Colin Kaepernick. He is being looked at uh, by the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, my hometown right now. My other hometown is Buffalo, New York, and I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Well, you got a quarterback, so you don't have to worry oh about that. Oh, my God. You got a good young quarterback. We got a good, we got a good quarterback, and we got really good fans yeah. in Buffalo. R- Rich Stadium? Are they still in Rich Stadium? Is that yeah, where it is? Yeah, I don't think that. I think it's a different name now. But it's still the same stadium. But it's stadium. the same, same stadium. <laughs> yeah, it's like in Miami, we have a different name every year, but we've had uh, Hard Rock for a couple of years. Right, finally. right. And this weekend, I'm sure, you know, they'll be playing in, in the snow. God so, bless him. So that'll be crazy. Kaepernick but is, is I just want to hear what your take is on this. Um, I, I've been I've been talking about this for over three years now. Okay. I, I, I speak at these sports conferences a lot. Okay. Um, and for three years I have been talking about Colin Kaepernick and, and, and the incident uh, that originally was kneeling down to, um, as a protest on social justice and black, white, cop, people relationships and was taken hostage by by the president and vice president and yep. turned it into an anti-flag, anti-military, right. anti-United States thing, which right. was never what the intent was. And he knows that and everybody else knows that. But it really sent a, a horrible chill through the public and yep. it, it caused great problems for the NFL. Um, the NFL was looked at as a league that was not uh, patriotic. Uh, right. and, and, and that wasn't true at all. It right. just wasn't about that. And then the league stepped on their thing a lot of times when they tried different ways of handling it and group hugs and holding hands and, right. and arms and, and this and that. And, and it was just terrible. So the, the real problem was this. The guy was definitely blackballed. 
Absolutely. He was blackballed as a result of... And the, he disappeared. The president's actions yeah. and, 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 and corporate actions. And it, it created a firestorm where if anybody hired him, it would have been such a cluster. It would have been a Tim Tebow kind of effect. Okay. Where the question was, is this guy's talent more important for us to utilize than the problems that it's going to cause right. as far as public relations nightmares, um, people either you know, not coming to the games anymore, boycotting products of sponsors and things of that nature. Yep. So it was a real problem in the beginning. But I think the NFL, well, let me give you a little bit more background. Thank the you. NFL and Kaepernick actually um, settled. Uh, they settled the collusion uh, grievance and they paid him money. So right now, the NFL has no obligation to Kaepernick at all. Um, I don't know the terms of their settlement, but okay. I would believe uh, that it would have been reasonable for the NFL to say, if we're paying you this money, uh, you have no claim for the rest of your life on these these set of facts. So I don't think that the NFL is in any jeopardy right now as it relates to Kaepernick, except looking stupidly to their fans, because here's the, st the situation. There are approximately 96 quarterback positions uh, available in the NFL. Wow. There's no doubt in the world that he is one of the best 96 yep. quarterbacks. I don't think you will find a general manager in this world that would say he's not maybe top 40. Okay. Okay? So talent isn't the issue. It's what happens if you utilize the talent. What's right. gonna, what's the what's the, the what is the ramification yep. of signing Colin Kaepernick? And I think he's an excellent quarterback. I always thought that. I always thought it wasn't the talent issue. It was that he was made into the black sheep of the NFL. And right. I'm not using that term in any other, you know, no, no negative, just the the piranha, you know, right. the, the bad guy. Yep. And he wasn't and, and never no. really has been a bad guy. No. He was a little silly when he was wearing certain shirts. I think he wore like a Che Guevara shirt with... with uh, with Castro on it or something like that. There was some craziness and they, the, the Dolphins were thinking of bringing him in and then the Cuban community went crazy in Miami. So it was just a couple of bad choices. But I think he's just a, a product of a catastrophe yeah, uh, that, yeah. was, that was created and and he is the scapegoat. He is, yeah. he is he's right. it. So anyway, now the NFL just decided that they were going to put together a, a tryout. Um, 32 teams are invited. Some will attend. Some are sending, you know, a third party. The NFL will make the videotapes of the uh, workout and interviews available to all of the teams. And I think what's happening here, what's been reported is that I call him Fidel Goodell. His, name, his name's not Fidel, of course. Our it's Roger Goodell. And our I know NFL that. commissioner. But I've called him Fidel Goodell for years and years. But he makes $40 million. He can handle the oh Fidel my, Goodell absolutely. thing. Absolutely. So I think what's happening is that the commissioner is feeling a little badly. Oh. about Colin Kaepernick and the situation that has occurred. He does seem to have a heart. Sometimes. Sometimes, um, okay. It's a little late in the game. I mean, you know, maybe a year ago would have been better. The guy sat for three years. I know. Okay, he hasn't played since 2016. I know, and, and there's no more taking the knee. It is, it is just not happening. It, listen, he's a good quarterback. Thwarting, he's thwarting behavior um, like that for poor with poor Colin Kaepernick at the helm is, you know, is too much. There's always going to be a fall guy. Um, that's just the way of life. It's the way of the world. 
he seems the to be the patsy. It yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't intentional. I mean, he intentionally put himself out there. Every time I turn on the news, I can't seem to tell a lie from the truth. Earthquakes all over the place. Contaminated water in Flint is so crazy. Big pharma making big gold bucks. Selling all these deadly and addictive drugs. And we don't even know what we can eat. We got genetically modified broccoli. And they cloning animals, we eating the meat. The next thing they turn around, they cloning you and me. The way they do the human race is a ridiculous crime. And Colin Kaepernick's me got y'all losing your minds. Come on. But you know what? Sports are great. It allows people an avenue, a pedestal, to say what you need to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be speaking um, on Saturday about the year's events in sports. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about is LeBron James speaking out about China. Oh, right. Now, why in the world would LeBron James have to be a spokesman for anyone regarding China? He's a basketball player. He didn't choose... To, to be the spokesman. He was sort right. of pushed up there to be right, the spokesman. Right. But he's been so great on some other social issues. And, and, and sports allows athletes, usually people from lower class, um, and I mean that, you know... Um, right. No, um, in a socioeconomic so, right, status. Right, socioclass. I'm not saying they're classless. Yeah, no, it's I'm seen saying, as a launch know, pad right. to, to and greatness. And minorities and, have a voice. And, and money. Yeah. And, and power. Right. And, you know, you got Twitter. Social media has really expanded that. But right now, you've got athletes that are able to speak. It used to be where it was Muhammad Ali. Yeah. It used to be where it was um, um, Evans, the, the, the sprinter, and, and, and Carlos and Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Those were the guys, the activists. You know, Ali is the, the, the main guy. Yeah. Now you got a guy like Kaepernick, and, and he's sort of carrying the mantle, but it wasn't as intentional. The, the, gotcha. The, you know, yeah. He, he, didn't, I, he put himself out there, but I don't think in any way, shape, or form he had any idea what the fallout would be. Whereas I think Ali did. Ali yeah. understood the gravity, um, and he went to jail. Okay. Yep. Uh, not because because he violated he didn't go to the draft that's why he went to jail that was later reversed yep. but he actually was was banned from boxing um, Kaepernick banned from football not with a with a ban but in, in de facto exactly ban. Um, and, and and maybe it's a, a chilling effect on athletes you know you got to really be careful I mean LeBron stuck his foot in his mouth when he spoke because he spoke from ignorance and he didn't speak from power right. Um, you can't make them be your spokesperson. You can't make them take up your side. But if they're passionate about something, it gives them a voice. It gives them an opportunity. It used to be before Twitter and social media that that was the only avenue that they had to speak into a microphone. Now they can do their own. You know, he's got his own blog. He's got his own. He does podcasts. He does it's everything. He's on HBO on right, the barbershop. Right, I mean, right. So th- that, th- people th- actually do are looking to him though to say things. That's the problem. They yeah. pushed him out there. Yeah. The, the NBA made him the sacrificial lamb of the China issue because he has the the deal that causes him the most personal damage. Mm-hmm. If China backs off, I mean, right. there's, there's billions of dollars in, in, in basketball money yep. in China. Yep. And one tweet from a 
general manager of the Houston Rockets. By the way, that tweet, I bet you 95% of people all agree with that tweet. We all agree that right. what they're doing in China is really bad. Their social yep. social justice is terrible. Absolutely. And we think we're bad. We, we're nothing in comparison. I know. But if you're going to stick LeBron up there, I know we were talking about Kaepernick and we just no, morphed into the, LeBron. I, it, it's good. We, The thing about that was if you're his lawyer or if you're his, his, his handler, yeah. you give him a script and you give him a statement to read. And he reads that statement and he stays within the four corners of that statement and it's prepared and he's not taking questions and he's going to speak once and once only. NBA, and are no you listening to to Alan right now? NBA. Well, you know, it just, <laughs> listen, you want your players to play to their strengths. Right. His strength isn't defending China. Okay. The, the ter- yeah, international it, trade. You know, and, he doesn't right. understand the dynasty and, yep. and yep. all of the things. And, and he might not even understand how Hong Kong actually operates uh, right. from, from China. You know, so that's not the guy you want leading your charge. Yep. But because he was affected, because Nike was so affected as a result of, of this deal and, and his jersey and his likeness and his image and they stuck him up there and they didn't prepare him. Right. And he sounded so uninformed. Do you think that he felt like he could do that? I think he felt pressured that he had to do okay. that. Okay. I don't That's think, very different. I don't That's think he was different. comfortable. I don't think he wanted to. In fact, they wanted him to do an actual press conference okay. um, before when they were in China. And he said he did not want to do the press conference. And as a result, wow. the press conference was canceled by the Chinese government, not by Nike or NF, uh, NBA, but the Chinese government. But LeBron wasn't taking part in it anyway. Gotcha. So really, he showed them he didn't want to speak. And then they still stuck a microphone in his face and made him speak. I love that you're pulling back the curtain on this a little bit. I don't was know a little if was, really Yeah, no, no, I think you are. I think that people don't know those particular things. They take things at face value. There's so much media and news and opinion out there that it is very difficult to do a deep dive or even, even a... 50 percent dive. dive yes exactly exactly racing dive exactly exactly a little swimming analogy so i love swimming swimming is a, one of my favorite sports my daughter's an all-american swimmer for the university of florida what she, is your daughter's name her name is kelly Fertel, and, and kelly she, Fertel. She, she's great um, yeah she's she's someone was telling me about her last night she actually. came in eighth in the ncaa's last year in the 400 im and made all-american as a junior she was the captain of their team as a junior she's so the proud this year they're number one in the country right now Oh my God! And she's qualified for the Olympic trials in the 400 IM, the 200 IM. Go Kelly! Go Kelly! And go the Kelly! Free! Yeah. And the, like the cherry on the on the Sunday. Yeah. She got me the number one swimmer in the world as a client. Oh my God! His name is Caleb Dressel. So how did, okay? If, how did that happen? So I'll, I'll tell you that. One, <laughs> if any of your listeners are are, are not really um, Olympic swimming aficionados, they will learn. <laughs> The name is Caleb Dressel. He is the number one um, swimmer in the world, and he will be setting a number of uh, records and medals at the Olympics in 2020 in Tokyo. So now all of you out there in Podland, uh, Podcastland. I like Podland. Well, well, I know you do. You, that's where you live. Um, I like the name Podland. Oh, okay. You can use it. Um, there's no... There's I, no might, I might call it Alan Fertel in Podland. You can, the, the, Sarah... 
you can call it almost anything you want. I've been called much worse than no, that. I, no, I, no, I assure no. you. You're you're great. So anyway, going back, so Kelly yep. swam with Caleb Dressel at the University of Florida, and uh, Caleb is a really nice, nice man. And his parents go to all the the races, and his sister and my daughter are on the same swim team. Yeah. So Sheridan Dressel and Kelly are in the same year, same team. They're both All-Americans together, the two female All-Americans. So the parents have been coming to all of the swim meets, and I've been with them for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, we were at the NCAAs in, in Caleb's last year, and the mother came over to me and said, you know, Alan, I'm really mad at you. And I said, well, Christina, what, what have I done to cause you to be mad? She goes, you didn't tell me that you were a really big sports and entertainment lawyer. And I said, well, first of all, I'm really, I'm, I'm a, that's what you do when you go to a, a party or you go to a swim meet, you hand, you say, I'm Alan for telling, I'm a big deal. Well, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I do do that. That's terrible. But no. What, no, what I do, what I did say to her is I said, I said, Christina, I rent a blimp. I let everyone know I'm a sports and entertainment there you go. lawyer. Right. I mean, this is who I am as a human being. And she goes, well, you didn't tell me that you were a great lawyer. I said, well, that would be a little ridiculous. I don't walk around and say, I'm, I'm a, a great, great, hi, I'm Alan Fertel, I'm a great lawyer. But you are. Okay, sometimes when people say, what, you, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what do you, you know, what type of lawyer are you? I say, I'm great. Yeah. I do, sometimes. But what I really am is I'm, I'm a really passionate guy. So anyway, my daughter knew Caleb from swimming, knows Sheridan, the, the parents knew me, and the coach knew that I was a sports lawyer. So the next thing I know, they asked me, the parents asked me if I would represent Caleb. And I said, that's really, really nice of you. But the truth is, he's 21 years old. And you don't decide who his lawyer is going to be. He's mm. his own person. Right. So I don't know your son, um, but I would be more than willing to meet with him. Gotcha. And if he likes me and I like him, it would be my pleasure to represent him. You know, I'm a straight shooter. Um, I have a daughter. No. I have I have a son. I couldn't tell that. No, but, but what I mean is <laughs> when I deal with athletes, I'm real. And, and, and Caleb is a real gentleman and a fine young man. And I'm a Bronx guy. And I tell it the way it is. And yeah. I don't sugarcoat. And I don't know that anyone in his life has ever spoken to him like that. Um, because okay. he's, a, he's a Christian and, and he's God-fearing. And he's got the same girlfriend since he was 16 years old. Okay. And he's different than most athletes. Yeah. But I'm not different than I am with other athletes. I'm the same guy across the board. And I, I told him the truth. And basically what I told him was, there's only one way you can screw this thing up, man. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to all of a sudden swim slow. You're the fastest swimmer right. in the world. You could either get injured or you could do something stupid on a morals clause. Those are the two ways you're going to screw this up. He was riding a motorcycle at the time. Oh boy. And I said, and the parents taught, said to me, Alan, if there's anything that you can do, besides representing him zealously, get him off the bike. Makes sense. So I, That's I took smart. Him, I took him aside and said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'll represent you under one condition. You get off that bike. I said, because that bike could so cause you millions and millions of dollars. Yep. Um, and ruin your opportunity that God has given you and you've given yourself to, right. to, to be great. I think that was what caused him to hire me. Um, I think he saw that I really gave a hoot right about him as you, a human being you showed him the future the real a little bit and, yeah and, and what i did was to make it up to him 
we did a really good Toyota deal and got him a car. Hello. <laughs> Nicer car. He had, a, he had a truck, but I got him a really nice car in the, in, as part of the deal. A car and some other good stuff. So, hey, Toyota. We, uh, yeah. It's a good car. Supra, beautiful, souped-up Supra. Just, it's, very no, good. Very, very good. Anyway, so that's how we got to, to Caleb Dressel. And I love I, it. I've done like five incredible deals. Um, Toyota, um, Speedo especially, um, Comcast, Hershey's. NHK, which is the television station that will be um, um, televising the Olympics in, in, in uh, Japan. And uh, we're, we're just rocking and rolling, and it's great stuff. And at the same time, my daughter's swimming, and she's got a shot at, you know, being an All-American again. And you know what? Life I'm, is good. I'm not complaining. My, Life my, is good. My son's a first-year law student. It's, 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 a, it's a good world. It's a good world. I'm Thank God I'm fairly healthy. I'm 60 years old. I'm happy. I'm here. I get you to do meet not you. look 60. Thank you. But people can't see that because we're on a podcast. Yeah. No, well, we'll take a picture. And no, no, no. Pic- pictures. Ugh. Ugh. Better live. You've got a lot of pictures on online. So. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they take pictures of me. And you're and you're very handsome. Thank you. Good looking guy. Stop it. Good looking. I'm, I'm kind of sexy. I'm getting red. There you go. My face. It looks good, Red. Thanks. It's good. I, you invite me and you embarrass me. That's I invite wonderful. you, embarrass you, but no, you just good. gave me such uh, such a great interview, and I thank am you for asking. I'm being very, serious. I am I'm too. Serious. I am too. I'm very, very grateful for your time, and uh, just to get to know you a little bit and share this with everybody that listens to Girls on Film. You know, it, it was unexpected, and but it's an unexpected pleasure. Good. And I like that I am on girls on film podcast me too me too equal opportunity hello sarah you're awesome thank you for inviting me this was this was wonderful thanks again we are girls on film and we are out 